Warning. This episode contains foul language and mentions of rape, substance abuse, and trauma. podcast for all things strange and unusual, confusing and captivating, disorienting and dark, and sometimes it's a nightmare. Each week we get to sit down and talk about something weird, and gosh, it's my favorite thing. This week is no exception because we are covering a subject that we love, that we've wanted to cover for like five years, and that you have requested probably the most. Today we're talking about something no one understands, but we all experience dreams. Where do they come from? What do they mean? What makes them turn into nightmares? Can we control them? And what happens when we try? Journey into the center of the mind with us today as we discuss the science, the history, and the mystery of dreams. My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hello weirdos. And today we're joined by a very special guest. We've been on his podcast a handful of times, and it's always the absolute most fun. He's got the best taste in music, and his Instagram thirst traps are legendary. <laughs> it's the host of Goth Yearbook, <laughs> Eric Wynn. Hello. Yes, it is me. I'm here astral projecting from Dreamland, myself and the Celestial Seasonings uh, Sleepy Time Bear. We're both uh, here with our nightcaps on uh, and nothing else for that Instagram thirst trap. (laughs) Ready to snuggle up. Uh, You do have the best thirst traps. Sorry, Ashley, I have to point out that beginning was like such a like eye in the sky, like the new, like the classic 90s news. Like we're going to (laughs) talk about dreams, where they come from and are they bad for you? Are they bad for your children? Find Coming out up after next this. in the 11 o'clock hour. Yeah. Should you eat the canned green beans in your cabinet? Find out later. Like, I'm, uh, I'm cooking the green beans in my they're cabinet. They're literally in I my know, bowl like, right now. Literally in the bowl. This person's mouth opens, just green beans falling out. Like, oh, no. Oh, God, I've done it again. Um, so we were just talking about how tired the three of us are, uh, which is appropriate for the dream episode. Listen, it's the, it's, it's only two days after Halloween. Yeah. We all did a lot. We're still feeling the exhaustion. It was our favorite holiday, our favorite month, and we're recovering. It's November 2nd, y'all. I was, I was actually going to ask if you both were willing to talk about Talk about like legendary the costumes that y'all were showing off the last two weeks via Instagram. I mean, are we allowed Thank to talk you. about it? Yeah, yes. heck yeah, we are. If you want to compliment us, that is always allowed. Yeah, that's allowed here. <laughs> Let's just say for the listener at home, for the weirdo nation out there, we're talking about a level of just depravity <laughs> and insanity and sensuality that was brought to the cast and characters of Silence of the Lambs that has never before been seen. I tell you what, no one at that party could look at me. 
Oh my god! In the, in the eye, <laughs> I witnessed it. Everyone coming up to talk to Ashley as Buffalo Bill had to just make direct eye contact and wouldn't look anywhere else because they're like, "Listen, your crotch area <laughs> is making me uncomfortable. It's making me yeah. feel things." I also, though, I painted the nipples too realistic. Yeah. That's also like the problem is that even Joe was like, I can't fucking do this. And then I put a real like nipple ring in one of the <laughs> nipples and it, it I just I went too far is what happened. I went too far. No, I, I flew too close right. to the sun. <laughs> yeah, you're I Icarus. I a bit too close <laughs> to the sun. <laughs> to the nipple ring sun. Yeah. And I burn up. All right. <laughs> No, but thank you. We had a lot of fun. And honestly, it was one of those things where, like, it started out as me and my friend Leah, who was Hannibal Lecter, because we had this joke years ago where she was like, um, you know, I always want to be Hannibal Lecter. And I was like, well, go as Hannibal Lecter. I'll go as Buffalo Bill. And uh, she was like, how? And I was like, what do you mean how? Naked. Yeah. I'm doing Stockings. <laughs> Tuck. Like, what do you mean how? And so it started as a joke. And then she was like, I'm going to be out there near Halloween. And I was like, well. Guess what? Guess what else is going to be up? I have to paint a bodysuit. And then, of course, Lauren was like, I'm in. I'll go as Clarice. And then your husband, Lauren, uh, like, bravo, bravo. I the know. fucking coroner. Like, that's yeah. and it was so spot good. on. He walked in, and I was like, that's the coroner from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, he's so only good. in the movie for like three minutes, but he went yeah. for it. He had the costume down to a T. He even made his own little like cocoon, little chrysalis thing for the moth. <laughs> I was like, who are you? Who are I don't understand. Only like a two, three minute scene, but it's like the most important one. And it's oh. like what's referenced on the poster. True. Hell yes. Yep. Did nice. anyone play Goodbye Horses? Oh, they played Goodbye Lazarus. Horses. I'll send you a video. <laughs> Yeah, Ashley was creepily dancing around the fire to it, and it was gold. No one liked it. Um, honestly, Eric, I should have called you because you you would have participated. I couldn't get anyone to go as precious. No one oh, wanted to go oh. with my dog. I that would have been so good. What's so I would have I would have gone as the basket with the lotion in it. See? Oh my god! We could have had a basket. a basket too. Oh my gosh! What if someone was dog? like the whole pit? Someone was just like the pit <laughs> with like lotion at the bottom. The pit. <laughs> we really could have done so much better. What's funny is we begged no, my guys, husband no, and our friend no, Leah's it. husband to do Precious the dog, but they were just not into yeah. it. So you know, we tried. Oh, you it could have. It would have been the set. I know. It's all right. Well. well <laughs> Let's talk about dreams. Let's do it. (laughs) Dreams by the cranberry starts to play. (laughs) Yeah, we can afford probably like six seconds of that song. So I'll put it in right here. Beautiful, beautiful song. I think the most interesting thing about dreams is we still don't know what they are. Yeah, and we right? don't know why we have them, and we don't know where they come from, and no one can say that they definitively know one way or the other, which is exciting. It I is. think that's yeah. exciting. I like a good mystery. Me too. It puzzles scientists and religious people alike. Exactly. That's yes. the thing, is that scientists have theories, but also the spiritual community has theories as well, and sometimes mm. they coexist together. Like Sometimes they weave in and out of each other, and sometimes they, they don't touch each other, but no one can say for sure. But they ha- there have been several studies that have been done with really fascinating results, and that's what I get to cover today, so I'm excited. 
humans have been discussing and dissecting dreams since the beginning of time. And we actually talked about this with your co-host um, on Goth Yearbook, Eric, when Caitlin D was on. And so, we were discussing... So, <laughs> Caitlin, what? real quick, I'll say for the listener at home, I do, I co-host a show called Goth Yearbook with uh, Caitlin D, who has been on this show, uh, good friends. And I posted just a little bit, a couple hours ago, I posted a picture of me asleep in my truck being like, oh, we're going to do an episode <laughs> about drinks tonight with uh, Keep It Weird... And Caitlin immediately <laughs> hit me up in the DM so pissed off. And she's like, what? She's like, <laughs> she's like so this offended. is basically like, yeah, she was like, this is basically like cheating. I was like, I was like, you were just on the show. And she was like, she was this is like taking your mistress to your wife's favorite restaurant. <laughs> she's a fickle, she's a fickle lady, Caitlin D. She was also, wasn't she mad at you because you didn't add any of her songs to the playlist last week? <laughs> Oh my god. You're honestly, I think you're just in hot water with you're Caitlin in the right now. <laughs> I forgot oh, she posted that, so that and people genuinely thought she was mad at you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. She uh what Okay, so right before we started recording this evening, the three of us, we were jokingly talking about um I was jokingly saying how Sometimes I have a tendency to like not pay attention to everything Caitlin says if I'm at work, <laughs> and then she'll come back later and be like, "What?" And, uh, and the best moment was recently she came up with this brilliant idea about like making a Halloween playlist for like people who've been on the show and all this stuff. And she sent me a link. I'm crying right now. I'm laughing. Uh, she sent me. Sorry, I'll make it real fast because I know we got stuff. She sent me a link to a playlist she already made that like had the songs and it was her being like, hey, we can use this one. I was like at work. I was at work though and I was half paying attention and I thought that she sent me a random playlist just like, you know, like songs like this. And I kind of mentally was like, yeah, yeah, I got, I get the idea. And then I, yeah, I I can, I can put together a playlist. All right. It's kind of my thing. And then I, I, I released it like that night, like, here we go. And it didn't use a single song from that one because I never (laughs) even opened that one because I thought it was like a stranger's playlist. So she had every right to be mad at you. That's so funny. It's just like me to like be telling someone I'm paying attention to them in a conversation, but not actually as <laughs> I'm about to go into a lengthy conversation with the both of you. Oh yeah. man. Good. That is so good. Well, Lisa, if, if, if Eric says anything weird during this episode, oh. it's because he did not listen to what I said. Yep. Just know that he misunderstood. <laughs> he misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> Oh gosh! That's I started talking stuff. about like the Mothman. <laughs> yeah, it's like what we're talking At about. <laughs> I did this huge theory on Mothman. Are you guys ready? We're like, what? Honestly, I'd be like, that's fine. I'm so yeah. tired. I don't care. I'd you be do like, you know what? <laughs> Me and Ashley will talk about sleep. You whatever. do Mothman. <laughs> the year 2002. The man, Richard Gere. <laughs> Richard Gere. <laughs> So when Caitlin was on, we were talking, we were discussing extraterrestrials and consciousness, and she brought up the importance of documenting and sharing our dreams. And she made a great point um, back before, you know, we had nine to five jobs and we uh, all hated everything. Uh, We all gathered by the fire at night and we would talk about our dreams every day. Most of the time, that's the first thing we did in the morning was discuss our dreams. And... Mm -hmm. As we know, um, I know, Eric, you keep a dream journal. I have before. I need to be better about it. I'm just always like, no, I have to do this for... No, you can write in a journal for five minutes, but I'll be better. I'm the same, Ashley. I I had (gasps) one in the past, but I haven't kept up with it, and I feel real bad about it. Struggle. 
But the key to having more dream recall, having more control in your dreams, having a better understanding of your subconscious is keeping a dream journal, documenting it. And if you keep a dream journal, I'm not saying like keep a dream journal and you'll be able to astral project, but you will start to see patterns. <laughs> you can start to understand themes, especially if you start keeping a daily yes. journal along with it. You can start right. to find out, you know, what's an anxiety dream for you? What life events trigger certain dreams, etc. Mm-hmm. Totally. But when it comes to scientists getting involved, obviously, you know, philosophers throughout history have had their dirty little fingies in dreams, but... <laughs> The scientific community really got involved with Sigmund Freud, and he spurred like a decades-long debate with his psychoanalytical approach to dreams, all about sex and desire, of course. Mm. Pee-pees, poo-poos, like he loves it. (laughs) Mom. And (laughs) mom, dad, all of that. Uh, And he basically said, you know, that that it's partially drawn from stimuli and our experiences in the waking world, but all of our dreams are reflecting our deepest, darkest desires and wishes, which is like, we get it, Freud. (laughs) Chill out. I I read somewhere while researching for this, it was like, he would say, like, people brought to him, like, what do you think? flying represents and he's like well obviously sex it was like all right i know it's like okay everything okay, is every, Freud, everything, everything is just sex with you we get it it's i'm we're starting to think that maybe it's you freud yeah you got some <laughs> issues man maybe you've got a thing mm-hmm. but mm. um but uh <laughs> then in the 70s they started to argue um there were two harvard psychiatrists J. Allen Hobson, Robert McCarley were their names, and they argued that dreams are your brain's attempts to make sense of just random patterns of firing neurons while you sleep. So basically, they're just a byproduct of brain processing, and there's nothing deeper. But after years of studying, J. Allen Hobson changed his mind. He said it was far too simplistic of an idea. In fact, very, very few scientists today believe this. And it's simply because everything our body does is due to hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, and therefore everything our body does serves a purpose. So there's no way that it's just random and means nothing, or does nothing. Or does it? Or does it? Or is it nothing? <laughs> Let's find out today, slash you won't find out anything. But slash we won't learn a damn <laughs> We'll give thing, you some fun try. things to think about. <laughs> fun little <laughs> anecdotes. Uh, Probably the biggest theory is that dreams are connected to our emotional memories. Decades of research have led a majority of scientists to link REM sleep with memory consolidation, which this is pretty cool. Essentially, it seems like the role of REM sleep could be the allocation of new memories. So essentially, your brain is attempting to store all the new memories you made from that day or that week and put them in the right places. Like, keep this one, throw this one out, bury this one deep like don't don't remember that that memory and (laughs) get out of here we don't need to remember that and dreams are what occurs when your brain is doing that which is why you often dream about things that you're currently going through or things that you're thinking a lot about like obviously joe and i are moving so all my dreams recently have been about like Uh. packing moving being in illinois driving but also, random old memories pop in, too. Like, all of a sudden, your best friend from third grade is there. And that's because your brain is sorting the memories, and sometimes an old one pops in. That's a pretty plausible theory uh-huh. for dreams. Yeah. And how the 
H-E double hockey sticks they came up with this is actually scientific. <laughs> it's not just like we th- maybe um, they did a study. They've done studies in mice and humans where uh, they do something called optogenetics, which is basically a technique for stimulating neurons that are genetically modified to respond to pulses of light. So essentially they use this technique to look at the precise populations of neurons during REM sleep. And they were able Mm. to see where those neurons were firing and what kind of neurons they were. And they were firing in the hippocampus and the type of brain waves were called theta oscillations, both of which are aids and areas for memory storage. So I'll touch on that again later, but that's kind of how they figured they, they assumed dreaming and REM sleep was directly correlated to memories. Another theory is that dreams can serve as sort of a virtual simulation of waking life and that dreams are a biological defense mechanism that is a natural result of our evolution. So essentially dreaming enables the brain to rehearse new survival strategies in certain situations without actually having to fight a tangible threat. And... Mm. I mean, there's a lot of like circumstantial evidence to to support this, especially since a majority of dreams feature threats, whether it's snakes or monsters or social threats like being naked in front of a group of people or the amount of embarrassing dreams that I have. Yeah, it's the worst. That's technically, you know, it's it is a threat. threat. Yeah. Well, not for you. <laughs> it's a threat for me. <laughs> it's a threat for me. I don't want I don't post my underwear on Instagram. <laughs> Eric's like let them see it unless I've painted pubes on it. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Uh, nipples. Then <laughs> I'm all about it. It's either it. 0 or 100. No <laughs> yeah. in between. No in between. That's very true. So that's known as the social simulation theory. The only problem with that is that they haven't been able to demonstrate whether or not this subconscious training makes a difference during the day when we're awake. So you'd think there'd be a lot of evidence for this if that was the case. And maybe there is. Maybe dreams do prepare us, but it's so far into our subconscious we don't notice. Yeah. Along that same line... There's a theory that dreams are the place where our brain processes creative inspiration and problem solving. And that's kind of Mm. a fact. Like there's a ton of evidence (sighs) that this is true. Whether or not it's Mm. the sole purpose of dreaming is something I'm pretty skeptical of. But some examples to sort of explain what I'm saying in this theory. Uh, Christopher Nolan found inspiration for Inception from his own experiences with lucid dreaming. Um, In fact, he said some of the shots were directly taken from dreams he had. Salvador Dali dreamed of the melting clocks before he ever painted them. And when it comes to problem solving, Friedrich August Kekule, he's a 19th century German chemist. He actually credits a dream he had about a serpent eating its own tail as the breakthrough for him discovering the ringed structure of the molecule benzene. Because at the time, other scientists thought all molecules would follow a straight line structure like that was the belief no one was thinking otherwise and he had this dream about a snake eating eating its own tail and he was like what if it's a circle wow and that's That's how he figured it out okay okay that's kind of crazy keith richards claims that he dreamt the rift to can't get no satisfaction and he woke up in the middle of the night and had to write it down Uh, yeah i love that 
But it is true that sometimes when we dream, a lot of information we have floating around in our brains can sort of come together For sure. and create something that either we can see visually or experience subconsciously. And then hopefully we're lucky and we remember it when we wake up. I know I've had a ton of ideas come to me in dreams or like not necessarily ideas, but definitely problem solving stuff where it's like, oh, I wonder if I can do this, this and this. And I have a dream and I'm like, that's an easy solution. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. I feel like I never see an actual solution coming, but I, if I'm ever anxious about a conversation I have to have with someone, sometimes I dream about the conversation and it goes really well in my dream. And then I wake up the next day like, okay, this isn't going to be that bad. I can do it because I did it in my dream and I'll kind of use some of the tools and words that I used in the dream to talk to them. But I that rarely happens to me. But when it does, I always wake up just a little more confidence of like, okay, that wasn't so bad. I got (laughs) well, that's yeah, that's kind of a the survival one, the social simulation. Yeah, where it's like, I've rehearsed it. Yeah. And so now I feel good. I feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Do either of you watch The Sopranos? I'm only on season one. But yes. You're on season one. You're currently watching it. Yeah, because I didn't watch it when it was on, but I was like, about time I finally watch it. So that's been Damn. something I'm working on this year. That's exciting. I know. Yeah, that is exciting. There, I won't give anything away, but they they occasionally will have like dream episodes or not even like full episodes, but like parts of episodes where you get into Tony's dream, and he has like essentially what I'll call stress dreams related to like things that he knows he has to do regarding his business. And I get those so often and it's uh, usually it's like in the form of a conversation also like an uncomfortable conversation I have to have with like an employee or something, Lauren. Yes. And so I always have the same thing, but I have like the Homer Simpson syndrome where like it goes so well in the dream, but then I wake up and I'm like, I don't remember any of that. It makes me even more stressed <laughs> out because I'm like, what What did I do? Because it went what so good. What did I do right? Like, I woke up for a split second. I'm like relieved, but then I'm even more stressed because I'm like, fuck, now I have to like do this conversation twice essentially. I I actually do agree with that. Like, it kind of goes both ways with what I was saying. Like, sometimes I feel like, okay, that gave me relief because it went well. But other times I wake up and I'm like, no, I thought I did this already. I have to tell someone (laughs) bad news twice. Like, It's It's funny. I never dream about the actual thing I'm anxious about. If I go to sleep and I'm anxious about something, I will dream. I will have, like, the typical stress dream. Right. But Just mine is always dream. the mine is always the exact same thing. It is exam week in college and I haven't uh, been to a single class all year. I, I get that so often to this day and it I have never I, I didn't it. turn in a single paper. I didn't we turn in a single project. It sucks. DJ Tanner got that it's... one on full house. Do you guys remember? <laughs> that was a big one. Oh no. yeah, I do. <laughs> Best, hey, it might no better relief though. Like the f- sensation when you True, wake up, when you, when you like wake that, up and you're and like, you're thank like, God. Oh, right. I, I haven't been in college school. for fucking 12 years. <laughs> I also get that in the form of uh, being in a musical because I'm a musical nerd where I show up. (laughs) I haven't been to one rehearsal. I haven't read the script. And they're like, Lauren, you're on in five. And I'm like, what? That's frightening. (laughs) It's awful. And I have to go out like not in costume. That's known as the actor's dream. And it's very specific to people who have like performed either like as an actor or even like written a speech or something. But for me, when I have the actor's dream, I show up, I don't even know what play we're doing, I've never even read the script, and they're like, opening night or whatever, and I'm like, uh, uh, and I kill it. <laughs> ah, I was about to say the same thing, I'm like, I would have him be like, crushed it. 
I crushed Man, it. Man, lucky. Variety they love it. front page. They love New it. New star in town. Yeah. To be, to be honest, though, every time I have that dream, I never actually make it on stage. I wake oh. up before well, I see go that stage, which is that's interesting. That's my thing with the you exams. I never out. actually make it to the class. I just know, like, I'm going to yes. get there and I'm going to have to beg yeah. this teacher to let yeah. me take this exam I haven't even studied for. Okay. That's yeah. interesting then. That's so funny yeah. that you wake up, like, before the moment. Because I, when you said that just now, I was like, I've never actually watched myself perform. I'm always waiting in the wings and everyone's yelling at me like okay now's your moment and I'm like oh shit what's my line and then I wake up like crying and sweating <laughs> crying and, and sweating I have it's a fine. question before before I keep going can you guys use technology in your dreams hmm. no in fact I'm gonna I bring that up all. a little bit during the lucid dreaming stuff but that's always like my go-to that's like my thing I can I get frustrated if I try to use technology in a dream and that's when mm-hmm. I can usually signal to myself that I'm dreaming Oh, oh, see? Okay, well, we'll talk about it more when we get to lucid dreaming then, because I have something to say about that. Okay. <laughs> I have something to say, Mr. <laughs> Gorbachev, about technology and dreams. <laughs> the consensus among experts on what dreams are for is basically all of the above. Like, we we truly don't know, but it's likely that it's a lot of these things put together. And the interesting thing about dreaming, on average, every human being spends about two hours a night dreaming. Two hours. I I thought I, I thought, I know, I thought I there was going to be a, a gas. We were the worst at responding to you. In I paused. Moment, but it's I paused only for because. A it's only because I also knew that fact from my research. So I, I was sort too. of like, yes, and Ashley. Wow. But, All right, listen. listen. It is an interesting fact. <laughs> I pictured you like on the soapbox, like you first page. We guys gotta hear this one. Ashley's I'm gonna insert sound insert, effects of people going it's Ooh. crickets. No, it's gonna be crickets, is what I'm inserting because that's what I fucking got. <laughs> Me and Eric are the worst. I bet there's someone out there listening, going, "What? How?" And we're just assholes. And I'm sorry. How? How does no one care about this? Well, anyways. <laughs> Some people, some people will tell you they don't dream, but that's physically impossible. Everyone dreams. It's just a matter of recalling the dreams that you had. And there are a couple things we know because we've been able to test it. A majority of our dreams and also the most intense dreams take place during REM sleep. And the dreams that we are most likely to remember occur when we are woken up directly after REM sleep. And it seems like the reason for that is what I mentioned earlier, the the participants of all these studies who were most likely to remember their dreams were the ones who exhibited more low frequency theta waves in the frontal lobes, which happens during REM sleep. And again, what leads people to believe that dreams have something to do with memory storage because the frontal theta activity is exactly what the successful encoding and retrieval of autobiographical memories look like in our brain when we are awake. So when you're like measuring someone's brain activity while they're awake and you ask them to remember something or you give them something to memorize, the same areas of the brain light up as they do when we're in REM sleep. So that's kind of where they made that connection. Oh, wow. And that's also why sometimes it's hard to remember our dreams. Like if you wake up during the middle of the night, you'll probably remember your dreams you were having. But if you wake up with an alarm clock, 
that has cut short a REM sleep, you're unlikely to hold on to that memory because that sudden switch of focus from being asleep and dreaming to awake and turning off the alarm literally interferes with the process of remembering, of storing a memory. That is so true. Whenever my alarm goes off, I forget everything. I know. (laughs) And I know, like, my alarm will go off and I'll be like, oh, I remember I was having a great dream and I wanted to remember it and it's fucking gone because my brain did not have the time to go, like, put that here. Mm -hmm. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. So... They've also found that like vivid, bizarre, emotionally intense dreams are linked to parts of the amygdala, which plays a primary role in the processing of of emotional reactions, which is cool because, you know, even though supposedly our dreams aren't quote unquote real, the emotions that we experience while we are having them are, which is why you still feel hurt when you got broken up with in your dream, even though. Right. You woke up and you're like, that was a dream. Thank God. Right. So knowing all of this is really interesting and even kind of important information because REM sleep deprivation is increasingly correlated to the development of mental disorders. Oh. And dreaming. Yeah. It seems that dreaming actually helps regulate traffic on like the brain bridges that connect our experiences with emotions and memories. So when we don't get enough REM sleep, the traffic gets built up or remains unprocessed and we can literally develop mental disorders. Oh goodness gracious. Oh boy. <laughs> so no wonder I have issues cuz yes. I don't sleep enough. That's what's I have wrong had with horrible me. sleep my whole life and it's like yeah. no wonder I have to take 8 pills a day. Goodness. And then one thing I wanted to touch on before I pass the torch is something I just learned. Most people don't know that they're dreaming when they're dreaming. They just assume it's real life. I mean, occasionally I've been like, hey, I'm dreaming. What the fuck? Like last week I had a dream that I was hosting a pool party at my parents' house. It was a random selection of people from my past hanging out. And one of the people at the party was my friend Leslie, who recently passed away. And in the middle of the party, I was like, wait. Leslie died. I'm dreaming. Uh, And the dream immediately switched to a new location, new group of people. And I went right back like, okay, this is reality now. Wow. Whoa. Really? Interesting. Yeah. It was like my head was like, oh, lost her. (laughs) And then like completely switched, which is Which that's crazy. Because I I feel like that never, as soon as I realize I'm dreaming, I wake up or like I don't even remember anything after that. So the fact that your brain made a little switch is so interesting to me. That's cool. Not a fan. But for the most part, (laughs) when you dream, you just assume it's really happening, which makes it crazy when you start flying in your dream or breathing underwater or when you're talking to your friend Jimmy who turns into your friend Ben mid-conversation and you're just like totally accepting of it. Like, sure. Jimmy, no. It's it's Ben now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, duh, this happens all the time. And this is actually because another part of the brain... The dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which controls our powers of logical reasoning and decision making, is shut down when we're asleep. Mm. Hmm. So you don't stop to question why this crazy shit is happening. You're just like along for the ride, babe. Yeah, that's that part is always fascinating when you're talking to someone who you know in your soul is, you know, your buddy yeah. Eric, but it looks mm-hmm. it's like a black man and you're like, "Yep, this is Eric. This is Eric Wynn." Oh, right yeah, in front that of happens me. all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where it's like 
I'll tell Joe about a dream and I'm like, yeah, it was me and you. We were on the beach, but you weren't you. You were someone else. And he's like, well, then how was it me? And I'm like, it was just you. Okay. It was you. Just accept it. In my heart, it was you. Or if it's just like a random amalgamation of people, but like in your mind, you're like, well, in this dream, I was like, I worked as a chef in this kitchen and this guy, I just knew him to be my boss, even though no one explicitly in the (laughs) dream says like, oh, by the way, I'm your boss. Like, that's the weird stuff to me when like, it's just there, the implications are just there. Like, you know, instilling the dream, like the defined roles of people with around you, even though nothing is like, there's no expository dialogue happening in the dream yeah and there are people who will tell you like you can't dream of someone you've never seen before like it's all your memories and that i just can't believe that because i have had so many dreams with people like very individual distinct people that i and maybe maybe it's buried so deep in my subconscious i can't remember it but i know for a fact i've never fucking seen these people before well, what if it's somebody yeah. that you like passed at the grocery store and your brain like, well, and tucked that's away? The thing. Yeah, my brain right. could have been like snapshot. Right. He's gonna be in my dream tonight <laughs> for no fucking. I'm gonna snapshot, see him in 15 snapshot. years in my dream, but barely remember the guy getting <laughs> eggs next to me at the store. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Liquid Death. Liquid Death. Just when you thought water couldn't get any cooler, they go and do a thing like this. You know those days when you perfect your hair and makeup and outfit head to toe and you're looking like a total badass babe and then you have to carry around your boring, earth-killing plastic water bottle and it totally kills your whole vibe? You know those days. Well, they're over, baby. Because Liquid Death looks like a can of your favorite brewski, but it's actually just mountain spring water from the Alps. And nothing completes an outfit like being hydrated. Now, you might be asking, hey, Ashley and Lauren, why is it called Liquid Death? That's weird. Because it will brutally murder your thirst and bring death and destruction to plastic pollution. One, it's in a can. Already a winner. Two, they donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. And three, you're simultaneously supporting your favorite podcast. Guys, it's a win-win-win. Win! Do it. You can get free shipping on your orders if you use the link liquiddeath.com slash keepitweird. Even more so, while you're there, you can sell your soul and join their country club and you'll get a free t-shirt if you order two or more cases of water. Head to liquiddeath.com slash keepitweird or click on the link in our Instagram bio to get free shipping and help us save the world while looking cool as hell. Damn straight. You know, a lot of the time we are just along for the ride when it comes to dreams, but sometimes you can control the ride and I want to hear about it because I can't do it myself or at least I haven't figured out how yet. So Eric, please teach us about lucid dreaming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, real quickly, I want to say uh, I like the phrase that you mentioned, memory consolidation, because I've heard about people describing a theory of dreams being that they're kind of like this shuffling this like subconscious shuffling of memories uh, mm-hmm. in order for new ones to be produced and all this, but memory consolidation. I like that. That sounds so yeah. like efficient. It does. But also if that's the case, my brain sucks. 
Yep. <laughs> Mine too. Because my dreams are so dumb. <laughs> I did want to ask both of you real quickly before I get into lucid dreaming, because one of the most actually fascinating parts to me about dreams is that a lot of people have, uh, and I'm not even going to go down the road of like, they have the same dream all the time, because that's like a very hyper specific situation. But have you guys ever talked to someone where like, I knew a girl who said that she always dreamt in black and white. I knew someone that said that they would dream because I always have POV dreams, like my point of view, like the way that I view life. Mm-hmm. But I've heard of people who say that like they see themselves like in the third person, essentially, like they're watching a movie that they are like in essentially. Do yeah, you, have you guys ever heard of anything? Like, which that blows my mind. <laughs> That's how Joe dreams. He's told me that oh, before. It creeps me it, out when I yeah, hear that. Like, sounds I, that like, sounds so disorienting. That. that is wild to me because it is always my POV. Like I cannot imagine yeah. seeing myself walk around in the dream like it's not myself. That is bizarre. I've had both. Oh. <laughs> Aren't you fancy? <laughs> yeah, I can do it all. You think you're better than us? <laughs> you think you're better than us here? My thing is, is that like Joe, for example, his dreams are like five second snippets of nothing. My dreams have story arcs, character development, location (laughs) changes. You're having a whole movie. Resolution. They tell a story. Like sometimes I'll tell Joe my dream and he's just looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Truly. It's like, I don't know, man. I am who I am. my life. But one thing I've always wanted to do is try and control my dream. But the first step is essentially realizing that you're dreaming, which I know I have done before more than once. Just that that one about my friend Leslie, that just happened to happen last week. And that was the only time that I can remember where literally I was like, she's dead. I'm dreaming. And my dream was like, now you're at Kmart. (laughs) My, My brain literally was like, shut that shit down. Usually, I just remember after waking up that I knew I was dreaming when I was dreaming, but I I don't remember being able to control it in any way. Well, so yes, let me give a quick little thing rundown on lucid dreaming then. Yes. Because technically, lucid dream is a dream in which you know you're dreaming while you're dreaming. Ain't that a fucking mouthful? (laughs) No And essentially, because everyone associates lucid dreaming with controlling your dreams which is true because they're kind of part and parcel with each other Mm -hmm. but the you know just like the simplified version of it is just when you are having a dream and you become aware that you're dreaming which i've always had my whole entire life and usually and i still even when i'm like not practicing for like uh intentional lucid dreaming or anything like that i always in nearly every dream i have because every single night i have uh one or two like very fantastical vibrant dreams like i just always am having vibrant dreams and usually near the end of them, something will happen that will make me kind of kind of like realize something's off. And usually, like I mentioned, I alluded to earlier, a lot of times it has to do with like technology. But the concept of lucid dreaming and the idea of like controlling a dream once you're lucid dreaming was introduced to me in college, actually, by my roommate in college who one night he was like, the... <laughs> shouts out to this guy. I think his name is Steven. I don't even remember his name. Hey, Steven. <laughs> what up, Steven? He came home one night and he had this uh, movie. I don't know if either of you have ever heard of it called Waking Life by Richard Linklater, the guy who directed. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. He direct for those of you at home, he directed the Before Sunrise series and he did uh, Days and Confused, Slacker, million other movies. And in 2001, he made like it's one of his less known movies called Waking Life, which was kind of a. Wasn't it animated? Yes, it was rotoscope. So they filmed it with digital cameras and then. An artist goes back after the 
artifact and he like traces everything, colors everything. So like a scanner darkly. Exactly. That's his movie as well, which he made like Did two he years do later. a scanner darkly? Oh, I didn't know that. I think Waking Life was like his way of like testing the waters with that style. And nice. then Scanner Darkly was like the much nicer looking version of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so Waking Life, the movie is just like a series of vignettes of people having like philosophical conversations or monologues uh, but it's all loosely woven through the idea of this guy who is having like a lucid dream he's aware of it and so then he's like visiting a bunch of random people who are having like these philosophical debates and this that and the other but he showed it to me and he got like he was this very he was a really nice kid but like he rarely was around the dorm ever so like no one knew about much about him he was kind of like a mysterious guy but then he and he was but then he like just totally casually gifted me the concept of lucid dreaming after showing me that movie and he was like oh by the way like do you know that if you do this this and this like you can control your dreams you can fly and you could like meet people and do all sorts of crazy things and i was just like oh okay that way to just casually like crack the egg brain inside my head (laughs) yeah way to give me the old denver omelet and then just turn around and fall asleep way to ruin my life (laughs) and then just turn over so for those of you who might, because it is kind of like, a, it's become like a very popular internet thing. And this was like back in 2005, I believe it was. Is that when I was in college? And he, uh, so like back then, I don't know. I'd, ne- I'd never heard anyone talk about it. And it wasn't anything that I saw talked about online again for at least like five or six years. Yeah. I guess when social media became, became like a more. True. We fucking thing, talked about everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He basically gave me this like outline where he's like, listen. If you want to do it, you got a dream journal. So that's why for like the last 16 years or however long, I've always been pretty good about dream journaling. Uh, Caitlin has a really cool... Caitlin doesn't care as much about lucid dreaming. I'm not speaking out of school to say that. She's always made that kind of clear. But she does love dream interpretation. And she has like a very cool way of doing it where she basically... When she wakes up, she'll write it all down in her iPhone. And then she'll go and like find keywords. And then she will look up each of those words and she has like a dream dictionary where I'll be like, what do these words typically symbolize? And then so she'll kind of like graph out, like make this like outline of her dream and go to like, well, this word means this thing means like, and this is like related to like nighttime, which is related to blah, 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 which I think is a really unique way of doing it. And the reason why I'm bringing it up is because uh, for myself, actually, Ashley, you were talking about like how it can be kind of hard sometimes. Some really cool things i found online actually while researching for this episode was people who talked about basically rather than writing out the full dream that's all they did they wrote down like keywords for it like tiger banana split <laughs> sunday or whatever i don't know this is a crazy dream already that i'm describing guy turned into another guy yeah honestly cool that sounds like one of my dreams if Dead there's friend. a tiger and banana split it makes no sense I like walk a lot in my dream. It's always like me and like other people, like the most random assortment of people who would never hang out with each other in real life. Like this guy from junior high and my coworker from this job so many years ago. And like this guy's wife, like it's always the most random assortment of people. And it's always like a lot of my dreams have to do with like, we're moving from one location to the next. Like, okay, we got to go to this guy's house or it's something like that. It's like a like transition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in that part, I've, I've found over time, like I'd always write all that out. And I'm like, I don't think it's really necessary for me to write about like the, <laughs> the travel it's like what are the key things here like where were we what things like stood out to me or what people stood out to me and that's like it's helped me kind of distill things into like a more efficient way of getting through it's a good idea yeah 
Because when I wake up, because I have so many vivid, just like fantastical dreams, I actually like forget them kind of frequently because like and there's so many that like I'm processing daily that's like real easy to be like I, after a while it's just like they none of them are special because all of them are special if that makes sense yeah so. oh yeah love that journey for you <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why people like to lose a dream like they the things you'll hear initially is people are like you can fly and you can like have sex with like celebrity like all these stuff where it's like kind of weird stuff like I don't know that's always the things that people f- kind of like the prison they put through which i'm always like i don't know about either of those things personally but yeah i feel like i if, if i wanted to do that i could just imagine yeah, right exactly. i'll just use my imagination close my <laughs> eyes <laughs> it's fine i'd rather you take me on a journey brain yeah i uh for a long time actually that was why i i was really into lucid dreaming initially because i was like what a cool concept and then like when i found like it was like oh it's a lot of work for like what I can do with daydreaming and I'm like such a daydreamer have been since day one, like nearly triple Aquarius, like alien boy. Like I, all I'm ever doing is daydreaming that (laughs) I really need to like use my dream to like control that kind of stuff. Like I'm already doing that on the daily. Let me just real quickly say for the people at home who are wondering, like, how do you lose a dream? Like what are the different techniques? Well, first of all, you should know there's like no formula. Everyone has their own ways of doing it. Um, Mm. I would point out to people, actually, a great resource is going to Reddit and going to the Lucid Dreaming subreddit. There's like just Reddit. Always Reddit. Reddit. They do it for us every time. There's like two kind of, I don't know what you call it, school of thoughts when it comes to lucid dreaming and like how you become lucid in your dreams. And the first one is that you remain awake as your body falls asleep and let the dream form around you, which I don't know. That sounds like a movie poster. That one I never understood. I can't believe people (laughs) do that. Yeah. But the one that works for me is when you fall asleep into unconsciousness and then you trigger wakefulness during the dream. The way that I'm able to do that is definitely keeping a dream journal um, because the more that you are like documenting what you're dreaming, the more that you're kind of conjuring it. And it means that if you are to put more into your dream journals, a little bit the better because you start becoming more cognizant of the I don't know, the anomalies and the weirdness that is going on in your dreams. And so when you're in your dream, you'll start to spot those things a little bit more quickly. Mm, the dreams that I have like written down in detail and like really documented, it's usually because I really enjoyed them. So right. or they were so detailed that I was like, that was wild, wild ride. Let me write that down. <laughs> and if I ever revisit places in a dream, it's usually because it's usually the places that I documented in, in that dream. So it's almost yeah, like so your proof. Yeah. So you can works. like revisit yeah, a place. Absolutely. Basically, you're kind of setting your intention and you're focusing your thoughts. So it's actually actually brought up like a great one. Like whenever there's like a specific place that comes up a lot in dreams or came up in one specific dream that you want to revisit, you kind of it's kind of the same way if you've ever done like transcendental meditation or any kind of meditation that requires like a mantra that's rep- repeated over and over. You can do something mm-hmm. to that effect as you're falling asleep, which is like you're recalling the image over and over and you're thinking about like you're trying to like fill out the details in your mind and you can even maybe have like a specific like calming word associated with it. And a lot of people online, they'll say things like, you know, you should like light some candles, like lower the. Yeah, lines, yeah I'll just really, burn really my house mood. down. I was going to say, don't fall asleep I'm with like, candles. Don't light a candle before you go to sleep. Are you crazy? 
I I don't know. I'm like, I don't need all that. I'm falling asleep yeah. with Sopranos yeah. playing. My dog's licking my face. I'm got like, yeah, I'm like, it's candy either going to be Sopranos or Parks and Rec. There might be some lights yeah. on. I can do it all. And yeah, I guess for myself, like it took a while and everyone's kind of different, but I felt like it happened for me a lot more quickly than it did the average person. And I think it was because yeah. of the fact that I have always noticed when I was in a dream ever since I was little and the big one, my friend. So I, I actually took this information. I remember he like my roommate told me this, let's call it like April of like that year finals happens. I go back home and I tell my best friend about this. Who's like, he shouts out miles. He is like a big weirdo, just like all of us. And he is one of those guys where he finds out about something kind of like weird or unique like that. And it's like off to the races. Like he reads every yeah, article. It's like, well, online. now I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so he I remember I told him about it and he became so obsessed. It was awesome to have like a friend at home who was like, Let's do this. We're gonna go into the dreamscape. And he <laughs> was he was the one who kinda of pointed out, he's like, All right, like what I read online is like if you're in a dream, try to find like a, a like a digital clock somewhere, like something on a microwave or something like that, because it'll be blurry, like you'll never be able to fully read it out. And you'll get frustrated and you'll become like kind of aware that you're in a dream. And then it's all about kind of like once you're aware, like just kind of feeling it out for a little bit until you can feel like you can actually like move your leg and actually walk or talk. And I'm telling y'all, like I did it for a long time. It was very hard. I would become, this was the biggest headache that I encountered for the longest time was that I would become aware that I was dreaming. But then it was like my heart would start racing the second I would and I'd always wake up. And oh, so yeah. that, and that's always been, even to this day, that's like hard. That's why it's like, if I'm not, on top of it, it feels like I kind of have to start at square one as far as that goes, because especially like back in the day when I was trying to like, all right, let's see if I can fly. Be like the second I could even do like the slice little thing, like my pulse would be up high. Be like, oh, You'd be like, yeah. And yeah, and, and so <laughs> oh heavy weight. I'd be like, ah, fuck. But I'm telling y'all the first time, because <laughs> I, the whole time I'm like, this is kind of crazy. Like, is this real? But at the same time, I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, everyone and their mother, for the most part, has had like a dream where they realized that they were in a dream, but didn't wake up. Yeah. So I was like, so there, there's obviously something there that doesn't feel that crazy about this. <laughs> I'm I'm like blushing right now, by the way. I can feel how fucking <laughs> red my cheeks are because I feel so silly saying this out loud. But y'all, the first time that I became aware and I was like, I'm just going to like levitate up to this tree and see if it works. And I did. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I did you remember. shit the bed? I feel like I would shit the yeah, bed. I'd have I to wake up and be like, sorry, Joe, sure. we have to wash the sheets because I just pooped myself. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I was be able like, to handle it. This is truly like what it must have felt like to be the man who discovered like the light bulb. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, or just anything where it's just like, oh, the 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 first you know caveman to see the first sunset or something well, you feel like yeah. a superhero for it a second a real yeah. Eureka moment and it's it was so fun because that happened and then like it took like another three months after that first time <laughs> but <laughs> no. even do it again you had that first high <laughs> what was crazy is like once i finally like got it mastered it was like i was off to the rate like after like a little bit more concentration it's like that like it did become like this thing where i could like just like snap my fingers like kind of jump into it and like do the stuff Never lasted too long. It would usually be like near the end of dreams, but it did get to the point where I could, <laughs> I'd be like whizzing around town. And it was really cool. So, 
I'm not going to spend too much more time on that because I want to get to like the parts that are actually uh, beneficial about it. So as far as the science works, I can't like explain like the science behind it exactly. Right. Other than, you know, no one can. Because consciousness is like a kind of weird thing to try to describe. But I will say this, that there are scientists out there right now who are trying to kind of figure out the idea of where they can use that for psychological help with people who might not be able to like tap into that stuff consciously because what you're talking about right now is kind of the clashing of conscious with subconscious and it's like this crazy crossroads that these scientists are trying to look at right now so i pulled up real quickly this is from exploring the world of lucid dreaming this book i bought it way back in the day i'm so glad that i could finally actually use it for something other than just like (laughs) nerdily reading it by by the last like decade (laughs) the artwork on it by the way classic 90s like new age there's like an eyeball i think looking out like a window or something that's what we're like a bird flying in the corner and you're like yes there it is that bird (laughs) this guy his name is dr steven laburge uh he wrote this book called exploring the world of lucid dreaming in 1991 but he was at the forefront of the stuff although he like did his masters on it back in 1980 i've been following this guy for a long time it's crazy he was doing like lucid dream experiments before like anyone was even remotely talking about it i'm talking wow, full on damn. like having like people like he'd get like this room full of people and he'd like be testing them watching them and the, he would like tell them like all right tonight i want you to have like a sex dream i want you like to tell me like if you're able to like all this like crazy shit like that like i'm sure in his field like he must look like a madman <laughs> and i just picture yeah. like it being mm-hmm. the coziest lab too because like the light slightly dim. Everyone's drinking like warm milk. He's like, yeah. well, like he's like rubbing say, his hands like, together. It was the seventies, so you know he was like, and just a yeah. drop of LSD in that warm milk. <laughs> <laughs> Open your right up. This is a quote from him. He said, "I knew that lucid dreamers could freely look in any direction they wish while in a lucid dream because I had done this myself. It occurred to me that by moving my dream eyes in a recognizable pattern, I might be able to send a signal to the outside world when I was having a lucid dream." Mm. I tried this out in the first lucid dream that I recorded. I moved my dream gaze up, down, up, down, up, down to the count of five. As far as I knew at the time, this was the first signal deliberately transmitted from the dream world. The only trouble, of course, is that there was no one in the outside world to record it. You guys, this is what's so fucking crazy. At this lab, at the science lab where he was like trying out lucid dreaming, he got this like whole crew of people to start being able to signal each other from their dreams using their eye patterns. And they actually like filmed it. Like, it's documented that oh they were able God. to signal. Uh, dude, I'm getting chills even talking about it. He was able to, like, get That's people insane. to signal to him. And they were recording, like, everything. Like, they were they had guys there that were recording saying, like, oh, no, like, we can tell by their levels that they are, like, in deep REM state right now, sleep. Like, they're not, like, faking it and just moving their yeah. eyeballs. Well, and that's, um, I know that there's been recent tests on lucid dreaming, too, and they actually took ideas from the movie Inception. I don't mean to keep bringing it up. I don't even think it's a good movie, but it does have to do with lucid dreaming. So here we are. <laughs> I mean, it's all about lucid it's dreaming. So it's important for this episode. It's fine. Yeah, it it exists. That's what I'll say about Inception. <laughs> it's a movie that's Actually, I yeah. feel exactly the same about it. And you know what's funny is that that subreddit, that lucid dreaming Reddit, like the main, whatever, the banner art is that stupid spinning top from the movie. And I was like, Ugh, come oh, on. Geez. I was like, come on, guys. Let's not do this to ourselves. Let's please not base this all on Inception. <laughs> but that that is a totem. And that is sort of what you're talking yeah. about, about finding yes. something in your dream that can 
sort of connect you and yours is, you know, looking right. for technology. And that's actually a good idea for me because like I said earlier, I can't use technology in my dream. If I'm trying to text, I'm hitting all the wrong letters and my texts yeah, are going through absolutely. and like I screens. can't like screens are nothing to me. They're it's gobbledygook. <laughs> I didn't even think about that till you said that, that I can never use my phone no. or a computer. No, in a yeah. drink. Even cars, and you'll feel that cars will like, I'll try and drive a car and the car will only go like two miles an hour. It's almost like when yeah. you're having a dream where you're running and you're like, oh, you slogging. can't run. Recently, when they've done tests on lucid dreaming, they take ideas from um, uh, the movie Inception. And what they do is that it's sort of the same thing where you're observing them you're, you have them hooked up to machines now because it's 2021. And so you can tell exactly when they hit REM sleep. You could see, you know, their eye movements or whatever. And what they're doing now is that they're training people to like say like when I snap five times in the dream, you'll wake up. So Ooh. they are watching them. They see when they hit the REM sleep and then they boom, boom, they snap five times and all of a sudden <laughs> you're like uh, i had to make it five now i gotta snap five times. <laughs> now i have to snap five yeah. times or i'm not gonna sleep tonight but <laughs> then the rapid eye movements during rem sleep slow down and they've Ooh. noticed that they can see people's eyes start to not rapidly go back and forth but actually look around so they're, they've found it. a way to when someone else is sleeping if you have someone that's awake you can trigger a lucid dream I love that, that so much. That is wild. Which is amazing. That's so cool. You would uh you would reference like that idea of the totems like that. This is I took this directly from that Reddit and it's what they call it on there is reality checks. And I've heard that like on other like mm -hmm. blogs and things like that with lucid dreaming, which is like everyone finding their own version of like the looking at the screen or whatever it might be for them. And this is from the Reddit. It says reality checks are important in dreaming. If you use mild and fall unconscious, you need to trigger your logical analytical parts of your waking self. You need to question the realism of a dream. As for most, we believe it to be reality until we wake up and not a dream. This is a challenge to all dreamers as they can only be resolved through rational logical questioning, which, as we all know, can be quite hard when you're in a dream, which, you know, lo all logic is yeah. thrown out the window. Yeah. And yeah, that for myself was looking at screens and because it's just so funny because like my dreams are always modern they're always set in very modern places so at one point or another mm -hmm. i am trying to use my phone or i'm trying to look at a screen or also cars yeah i've had that experience as well where like there's some it's usually technology or device or some sort of like contraption what do you think that is just like is that because they're non-biological is it because evolution wise Ooh. we shouldn't even have them because like we we exploded that. so quickly that like our brains haven't adjusted to like knowing what they are because it, it's I it's a common love thread that theory that people That's can't use technology theory, yeah. i never even like considered the why <laughs> which so are you there god yeah. it's me actually <laughs> i have yet another question do nice. ashley's dream of electric sheep at night <laughs> <laughs> But well, okay. So that's that's what I was saying earlier. That 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 one part of our brain, the prefrontal prefrontal cortex, something or other, turns off when we're asleep. <laughs> and I wonder if I couldn't find it in my notes. So I was like, that thing yeah. that I said. Oh, dorso <laughs> dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, which controls our power of logical reasoning and decision making, is shut down while we're asleep. So what if you're lucid dreaming? What if you? what you're doing is turning it back on. 
Oh, is what I'm thinking that. because that's kind of what you said. Where you have to turn, you have to try and turn on the logical part of your brain. Right. Well, that's called like that. the dorsolateral prefrontal <laughs> cortex. Write that on. We Reddit. won't ever forget it again. <laughs> Thank everybody. you, Doctor. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. In more recent years, they've been trying to figure out how they can use lucid dreaming to cure psychosomatic disorders. And for those of you who might not know, psychosomatic disorders are psychological conditions involving the occurrence of physical symptoms that usually are lacking a medical explanation. This can include people who have like excessive thoughts or thought patterns, feelings and concerns, fears and phobias. And y'all, I'm telling you, like it's okay. So for the longest time, my big social kind of like you mentioned about social kind of nightmares, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And mine was always that I'd be like in a confrontation with someone and I couldn't like say what I wanted to. Like my mouth would just kind of be like, yes. And that was always so hard for me. And it was because like back in the day, like I used to be very timid. I was shy and it was like, I was not very confrontational. And then like when I started like taking therapy and I started like kind of working on myself more i swear to god y'all like in my lucid dreams because i'd always have like confrontations with like people who had contentious like relationships with my whole life and i would always like those would be like the kind of reoccurring nightmares i'd have is where where i like find myself confronted with them and like i couldn't find my voice and like when i started lucid dreaming i decided to like use my voice and like say everything i never was able to in real life and i swear y'all when i did i was able i like there was one person in particular for my life and I sent them like an email the next day and like had like a phone conversation wow. with them. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, I know. Thank you. Dream. <laughs> so it's like you can overcome trauma. I was going to say yeah. overcoming fear and trauma. That is like one of the best perks I've ever and, heard of. You know, that's dreams. the thing with like therapy is that you're really trying to access parts of their subconscious because that's where we keep all of our trauma. I mean, sometimes it's it's very much mm. so in our everyday consciousness, but sometimes it's buried so deep in that. Like I have so many symptoms of PTSD that my doctor is like convinced that I have PTSD, but I have never had anything bad happen to me. like i have led a privileged life so whatever it is and ptsd the thing is that could be caused by literally anything like anything in the world Uh, in fact most people are experiencing a form of ptsd right now with covid like it can happen with anything it doesn't you don't have to go to war you don't have to you know you don't have to suffer years of abuse like you can get ptsd from very small things so it's not that crazy. But at the same time, like some things are buried so deep in there that that you have to go through not just behavioral therapy, but like psychotherapy to try and yeah. get to your subconscious. <laughs> That's why they hypnotize you. That's why they use do- those different mm-hmm. techniques. So, yeah, doing it with lucid dreaming be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get to sleep. Yeah. Even better. That's my favorite <laughs> kind of therapy is anywhere you don't I get like- to be asleep. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Dr. Denholm Aspie of the University of Adelaide in Australia, who is a researcher that specializes in lucid dreaming, said that if you can help someone who's having nightmares become lucid during the nightmare, then that gives them the ability to exert control over themselves and over the nightmare itself and can thus create something called lucid dreaming therapy. Ooh, wow. You, you already knocked it okay. on the head, Ashley. Like they, they really are trying to figure out this way where people who maybe have phobias that like take a certain form, fears and phobias and traumas that take certain forms in dreams, especially like not to make it so dark, but they are, I was reading like this really incredible uh, research 
paper by this guy named Dr. Martin Fox, which sounds like such a fake, like, I don't know, X-Files name, but (laughs) he worked with trauma patients who had experienced uh, rape and he got them like a lot of like a a very common thing with people who experience that particular kind of traumas that they'll have like dreams where they're being attacked by an assailant or it is the assailant, whatever it may be. And he got them, he wanted to like test out to see if like he could get them to lucid dream within like those nightmares and confront the person and not just like in a way where like they fought them back, but they asked like the enigma of the dream, like, why are you doing this? And this, like what is this like serving me kind of thing and like he said that all of them reported back a year later that they no longer had the nightmares after performing in that wow. research Love isn't to that, hear that fucking crazy it's amazing That's wild. do you think they got the idea from nightmare on elm street dude Ugh, i know <laughs> every single time i talk about all this stuff i'm like all i can think about is nightmare on elm street part three of the dream warriors where they go in like we're gonna fight we're gonna take I mean, control there's of so many dreams. parallels <laughs> well even yeah even in the first one where like the way that nancy defeats freddie mm-hmm. is literally being like uh, no so i'm taking control of this you're not in control right. and also mm-hmm. i'm not fucking you scared of you <laughs> yeah. and then he was like no <laughs> no with like some <laughs> pun or something like now yeah. i go to sleep now i'm sleeping <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm gonna cap off my little section here with just like this podcast i was listening to yesterday to like get prepared for this and this is like where i finally like i had to like put my headphones down i'd walk away and i'd be like no like you guys are going too far with this list of dreaming my <laughs> brain's not ready for it yet uh-huh. because okay so I was listening to this podcast called the Lucid Dream Podcast, like real original, right? Uh, hosted yeah. by this guy named <laughs> Stefan Zugar. Zugor, I think it was. You can find it on your podcast app. There's also a website he go he does called HowToLucid.com. And this episode I was listening to, you guys, I'm just like, I'm to even talk about is just blowing my mind right now. Murph just came running into the house because I feel like he's like, Dad, don't do it. <laughs> Dad, um, don't talk about it. <laughs> So he prefaced everything by talking about this book called The Holographic Universe, uh, which is all about the theory of reality. And basically, it's by this guy named Michael Talbot and like a bunch of other research scientists. And the basic premise of it is that it's like this theory that the universe itself is this sort of 3D projection made by the human consciousness. Like that weird kind of quantum theory stuff where like i don't even get it and i'm like i don't even know anymore it's just like a holographic like big thick textbook that looks cool it's when you start reading something and you're like i'm getting this i'm 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 with you i'm smart and then by the end you're like fucking forget it like Like, i I don't have the the capabilities to understand this they always have like (laughs) (laughs) people on the front who look like the same people they use in the tylenol advertisements where they're like they're all kind of like weird looking. They're rubbing their elbows and that part's like red, but the rest of them are blue. And it's just like the <laughs> yeah. human mind. Um, oh my gosh. But basically this guy, this Stefan guy that was hosting this podcast, he started talking about the idea of consciousness because basically scientists like neuroscientists still have not been able to quite pinpoint where consciousness occurs in the human brain. Like they know that might be the cerebral cortex, but wow, we're really talking about brains a lot tonight. The thing is he brought up like, they ran like recently this guy was like missing straight up like because like an accident got in he was missing like that part of his brain the one that they've always associated with consciousness yet he mm-hmm. still had access to his memories and his concept of self yeah oh did you hear about that i've read this sorry go on i'm just really excited i saw like i started looking into it, actually i had to like pause the podcast and i was like reading it because i was like no fucking way like really because like it's just something i never really thought too much about and i was like have they really not like 
I just always assume that they did know where it was and they still don't quite like they it's all just Mm-mm. theoretical like they don't quite know where consciousness like actually begins and he pointed out this host he was like well we don't know quite where it begins and we certainly don't know where it ends because there is no end to consciousness and this is where he started getting like a little woo woo but i loved it he was like talking about how consciousness cannot be measured because even like at the microscopic level Everything is just particles all pushed into each other. So he's like, consciousness kind of can exist both inside ourselves and outside ourselves. Because like if you, you know, everything's kind of interconnected. That's like the way that the kind of universe whole operates. This is where you get a little woo-woo, but stay with me. And so his whole theory is just like, well, think about like this then. If you're lucid dreaming and you're inside a dream, but you're conscious, then that same consciousness that exists both in and out of like your own head and is like existing in the whole universe means that's also existing inside this dream, which means that the entire universe is also existing inside this dream of yours, which means that you're like literally not bound by anything, which means that like your dream is quite literally infinite. And what's going on in there is the same thing that's going out like in like the vast space of everything. I I can't even wrap my head around that fully, but I love to think that our dreams can reach like the end of everything. Well, that's what's so because like like on the surface level, he thinks lucid dreaming. You're like, okay, like, yeah, you can go in there and do whatever you want. But then it's just like this guy was trying to basically say that, like, yeah, not only can you do anything you want, everything that ever existed that you don't even know about is existing inside there. So you yeah. could technically reach some place that you've never been before and experience something that you've never to seen. To go like to trail back to kind of connect it to the game. It's like you see people in your dreams and you're like, and you're telling people like, no, I've never seen that person in my life. It's like, was it a snapshot right. at some guy at Safeway bagging some grocery? Or is it because like that person exists in the universe and everything is connected so they can just be connected to your dream somehow? Ooh, see? So it wasn't the guy getting eggs at the grocery store, Ashley. You saw some guy saw who guy might live in on another Germany. planet or in another Not, galaxy. Or another planet or galaxy. <laughs> now, here's how, here's this for like professional like throwaway to the next segment. Because when it comes to lucid dreaming, I was just talking about how it can cure a lot of things. One of the biggest things that they love to cure with lucid dreaming is night tears and sleep paralysis. Oh, hey. see? See? Look at that segue. I just took my headphones off That's and walked away. That's me pulling up on my segue. Yeah, Eric's gone. It's like good. It's like you posted a show before. <laughs> Night terrors are freaking wild, too. Uh, apparently, and I want to learn about them. <laughs> apparently, and I want to learn about them. I don't want to experience wanna it, everything. but I want to hear you tell me about it. But first, weather. <laughs> it's cold. It's okay, cold. It's raining. <laughs> That's someone who gave up on their life. Like they gave up, like caring about being the weather. Like it's cold. It's cold. What do you what want do you from need? me? It's cold today. It's gonna be cold tomorrow. It's fucking winter. Back to you, Jan. <laughs> back, to, back to you, Laura. <laughs> so night terrors are horrible. Basically, I feel so bad <laughs> yeah. for the end. It just—it sounds bad to say. I feel so bad for the people that have them, but also for the loved ones who are around when they happen. But yeah. they're kind of totally different from what we've been talking about tonight, which, I mean, we're keeping it interesting because they happen at just such a different time in your sleep cycle. But, okay, basically, night terrors, also called sleep terrors, are considered a type of parasomnia, which is basically just the overarching catch-all term for any unusual behaviors that people experience prior to falling asleep, while asleep, or during the arousal period between sleep and wakefulness. 
So anything that's just out of the ordinary going on, night terrors fit into the parasomnia category. Night terrors are classified as an arousal disorder that occurs during non-REM sleep or non-rapid eye movement sleep. Oh, yes. It's like dead sleep. That's or what like I thought. Sleep that's just like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, that's what I creepy. thought was crazy. It's still when you're in like a slight state of wakefulness where it's like it's still mm. easy to wake you if someone needed to, but you're starting to get some brain activity. Well, going and that's on. interesting because, you know, what I said earlier is that most dreaming takes place during REM sleep, but not all dreaming. And it's right. usually just very vivid dreams. And night terrors are usually described as very vivid. So that's interesting that they don't take place during REM. I know. I found that so fascinating and was like, how have I never read this ever in my life before? They usually occur during the first three to four hours of the night um, when you've mm -hmm. kind of started your sleep cycles, but it is definitely not in your deepest sleep. It is, you know, when you still are in like a very slight area of wakefulness, huh. but you are starting to have that dream brain activity, or at least it's possible to have it then, but you're not in your deep sleep yet. And they mostly occur in children during, you know, important stages of development when kids are very, very young. They can very rarely occur in adults, but it is a super small percentage. Thank goodness, because they're awful. But um, kids do have them, which is sad. And a person experiencing a night terror will suddenly kind of shoot up out of bed. You know, you're never just laying there having a nightmare. You shoot up, you even open your eyes, but you're still asleep. And you begin to show signs of panic and terror while asleep. You're usually screaming. You're usually flailing, usually kicking. Um, it's very common to scream for help because you are seeing just the most horrible things around you. As Ashley mentioned, yeah. you're seeing very vivid pictures and you feel as if you're in a new world. Like you think, oh, I just shot up out of bed and I'm awake, but where am I? Because I'm seeing a demon in the corner over there. There's like s smoke coming under my door. It's dark. It's, you know, it's yes. not my bedroom anymore. So you're just seeing these pictures of the scariest things your brain could conjure up. Um, this is also accompanied with other symptoms like a very rapid heart rate, heavy breathing, usually sweating, dilation of the pupils, and intense tensing of the muscles and this was an interesting fact. Sometimes the tensing of your muscles will be so strong because you're so stressed and anxious during the night terror that people who have night terrors usually have amazing muscle tone in their arms and their legs. Well, which color me jealous. I know. I was kind of like, oh, is that like the new workout plan I need? But yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> not workout arms. Freddy Krueger's on the poster of that, like Jim. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Come on. I just kids. thought that was interesting. Elm Street Jim. <laughs> Elm Street Jim. <laughs> Getting that full workout in your dreams. Super toned. Also, I remember reading an article. I couldn't find it again because this was a while ago, but uh it was an article on night terrors, and the author described it in an interesting way because I think people try to sit and imagine what it would be like to have a night terror and it's hard to you know study these and especially in kids ask what they're seeing and experiencing yeah because kids are already like then then and then the and then and then the red one and it's like <laughs> what are you even yeah. talking about anymore like that's a different language what are you saying to me <laughs> Yeah, so it, that's why they're hard to study, and it's so rare in adults. But the author of this article was an adult who experienced them, 
And I remember she had this line saying, when I have regular dreams or even just regular nightmares, I feel like I'm seeing them in 2D, you know, like it's a two-dimensional picture that I'm seeing. But my night terrors are as if I'm in a big IMAX theater and I'm seeing it Mm. all around me. And even more so, like I have the special movie glasses on and can interact with my world and feel Mm. things coming at me. I was like, that's, that is a good way to describe it because I wasn't sure exactly what the experience was like, but... And it feels like you're awake, which is horrifying. And to the outside eye, so besides the person who is experiencing the night terror, which is usually a parent watching their kid have a night terror, they see this child with their eyes wide open. They appear to be intensely afraid of someone or something in the room. So again, what I was saying earlier, I almost feel the worst for the people who are like next to somebody who's experiencing a night terror if it's you know their partner or if it's a parent walking into the room to see it because they're usually sitting there screaming saying like help me help me there's something over in the corner or you know this this thing has a hold of my arm but if you try to intervene or comfort them or snap them out of it usually they'll turn violent towards you because you, you are appearing as something into different the thing. Yeah. Yes. Like your mm. mom will not look like your mom. It's going to be like this giant red slimy creature like trying to hurt you. So they often can lash it out. Sounds and like my violent. mom. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Right, I love you, mom. Love you, mom. I didn't mean. So Lauren. So when we go to sleep, we are paralyzed. Like that's basically yeah. what happens. And that's kind of, you know, what happens with like sleep paralysis. So with how they're sitting up and and their eyes are open they're screaming and they're talking is that turned off for them like the having the body paralysis yeah, yeah. Uh. overall night terrors are just near impossible to study and we don't fully know why you're boy, able to oh get boy. up because it's not even just I can sit up. You can get up and walk around, like yeah. walk up and down a hallway looking like you're wide awake. So everyone around you is like, hey, Billy, like you you okay? You need anything? And they're going to scream, like, yeah, scream bloody murder in your face. <laughs> well, and, yeah. uh, if anyone's interested and if you like comedy, uh, Mike Birbiglia has the special Sleepwalk With Me. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, my God. It's gold. And it's great because he has so a, a sleep disorder disorder which is essentially like sleepwalking because if you have a sleepwalking disorder that part of your brain that's supposed to shut down your body it's supposed to paralyze you doesn't for him so if he Mm -hmm. has a vivid dream where like i mean this literally happened to him where he thinks that the hotel he's staying is about to be hit by a missile he literally instead of just dreaming it and maybe twitching a little bit he gets up goes into the hallway and jumps out of the second floor window yep. because so he, he has to literally sleep in a contraption so yeah, he, he won't to, like, get out tie of his himself bed down uh which is hilarious but also like horrible like i feel very bad for people that have to deal oh with sleepwalking God. and stuff yeah i remember one of my childhood best friends and one of my cousins who i was really close with when i was a kid they had night terrors as children And I never witnessed them myself. I can't say that I had this actual experience. I probably would be traumatized if I had. But I was around for the conversations when their parents would talk about them, you know, the next day or whenever it had happened. And basically, in both situations, the parents would say they'd wake up in the night hearing their child either screaming bloody murder or making animalistic sounds, Mm. which that phrase has like stuck with me my whole life because 
because it's so unsettling that they thought they heard like animals growling and they ran into the room and their child is either like standing up on the bed or hiding in the corner or running around in circles and it's just they're seeing the most disturbing thing they eventually learned like i said that they would stay near so that their child wouldn't hurt themselves they try to you know stay and protect them from running into anything sharp or you know, jumping out of a window, but they would never touch them because they knew better than to actually wow. try and intervene or even say comforting words because the words weren't getting through to them either. So that was kind of the lesson learned. If anyone is out there thinking that their kid is maybe having night terrors, you're having an experience like this, stay there as a protective, you know, just in case person, but do not touch them when they are in the middle of it because that is just dangerous no. for everybody, which is wild. No, I, I say, get away from that demon animal. Yeah. Lock them in the house. Just stay in the other room with the door shut. Away. Get a ticket. Start a new life in Denver. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I won't tell Start them. a new life in Denver. Just go to Denver. Everything's better there. Just ignore the problem. It's not good. <laughs> the, I guess the good news in this horrifying experience is that most night terrors last about 10 to 15 minutes. They're usually pretty short. I mean, they're violent and they're loud and they're crazy, but they're short. Some can continue for 30 to 40 minutes, but it is extremely rare that they'd go that long, even more rare that they'd be, you know, longer than an hour. I don't know. There may be like one recorded instance of that. So they're usually pretty short. And then the child is able to fall back into sleep and then continue on and get into their REM cycle and have a more normal dreaming pattern. And typically the child or maybe even the adult, will wake up the next morning and have zero memory that the night terror even happened. They might recall a little bit of the dream, some of the visions they were seeing, and just say, like, wow, I had, like, a strange nightmare. But they won't know that an actual episode occurred and that they were up out of their bed and running around. But they will feel completely exhausted, and there's usually a lingering sense of dread because they know something weird went on, but they can't quite remember it, which is... It's like people who get abducted by aliens. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was just thinking, just honestly. True. <laughs> uh, and we have been talking about this so much where abduction basically just sounds like aliens are coming to you in your dream and communicating with you, and maybe that's what night terrors are sometimes. I don't know. Oh, Lord. What if it's like... Because, you know, sometimes people have, like, dreams where they feel like they were touched by the gods or, like, were communicating with something, like, beyond the realm and giving, being given messages that were, like, you know, beyond this mortal coil. And it's, like, I wonder if, like, you know, just, like, how there's good people and bad people on Earth. There might be, like, good and bad aliens or things from beyond. So it's, like, night terrors are, like, when it goes bad and, like, the others are, like, when it goes good. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I've thought about that before where, like... So there's this guy on fo I follow on TikTok. If anyone is interested, I will send you the link who has schizophrenia. And mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. makes videos where he literally adds animation and sounds to actual videos of like him walking around his house to show you what it's like to have his form of schizophrenia. And it's essentially a bunch of faces, like these kind of squiggly, strange looking faces with like big eyes that pop up like right in his field of view who just like comment on things and be like, ooh, are you looking out the window? Hi, hello. And they're like all these different voices. And it's very unsettling, uh, but it's also very fascinating. People ask him questions like, do you do you hate the faces? Do you like the faces? Like, do they ever tell you things about other people? And of course, he's like all the time. And he's like, I do. I love the faces. They're my like my friends. They're there all the time. 
the only time I don't like them is when I'm in a social situation and they're doing that and I can't pay attention to what like the real world people are saying to me. Yeah. And I always had this thought about like schizophrenia not being that they're seeing things that aren't there, but that they are seeing things that are there that other people can't see. Yeah, totally. And dream-wise, like, literally, we don't know where that is. Like you said, we don't know where consciousness is. There's a lot of theories that consciousness isn't even in us. It's actually outside of us. You know, it's actually, you know, maybe even floating right above us. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be in our body. So when we do go into our subconscious, that really could be just going into the collective conscious or to another dimension. So people that have night terrors might be connected to a particularly volatile dimension. Yeah. Filled with monsters. You said that's like, like it. the way I had you phrase it, that it's in children more often than not. And they always say that, you know, children are kind of like in that, there's a certain thing with adolescence where like mm-hmm. they might be able to be tapped into things that adults can't because yeah. like cynicism and this that and the other is just like so layered on so it's like of course they are like these kind of like lightning poles for these activities and to see things that we can so then it's like even more fucked up it's like well what's little eric jr seeing that i don't fucking see yeah. right <laughs> exactly this is, why, this is why i'm in denver <laughs> this, <laughs> this is why, why i'm in denver you can't be having denver. this little fucking demon magnet this is why i started my new life yeah <laughs> Yeah, good lord. Yeah, to compare nightmares and night terrors a little bit, because I think some people are sort of like, what, what is going on? What's the difference? Because I do have some very vivid nightmares sometimes. But nightmares usually occur during REM sleep, deep sleep when the brain is most active. They don't usually involve physical or vocal behaviors. Things can happen. You know, you can have some little spasms here and there, but you will, for the most part, be into the paralysis. Like we said, vocal behaviors, usually some mumbling, some very basic sleep talking where you're just sort of like, "Eh, eh, eh, like, yeah, Yeah. we've all heard that. We've been around it. But nightmares and night terrors both begin really young in childhood, which, yeah, I mean, I've heard Wilder scream out in the night and it's like, I know it can't be anything else but a nightmare. And it's estimated that about 50% of children ages three to five start having nightmares that are severe enough to disturb parents or caregivers. And um, there's about 40% of children under the age of five that will experience night terrors. Um, Some studies will tell you it's way less than that. They'll they'll show like only 10%, but that's usually, for the more I dug into it, it seems like that's more representing people as a whole, like including adults in it, but children, it can be 40% under the age of five because it's something going on with those little, little minds that are not fully developed. Like it's something with like their brain starting to connect and during important stages of development, if they're, you know, overcoming something or like hitting some milestones, it makes their brain more active. And then I think it's triggering it's triggering this night terror. It makes sense to me because I even remember Wilder's pediatrician telling me at some appointments when I was complaining about his sleep being kind of messed up or him, you know, fighting his sleep more and waking up more and becoming a little more feisty. And she said, if he's going through a major milestone, especially like trying to walk, learning to talk or working on like a specific fine motor skill, he's going to experience sleep regression and, you know, being a little more upset and angry and fighting things because he's working on something so big in his mind. He His body doesn't know what to do with it. His brain doesn't know how to handle it. So it, you know, 
it really disrupts the sleep. It disrupts like all of their routine patterns. And in return, in certain cases, obviously still less than 50%, but in some cases, kids can get night terrors. So it does sort of add up why it happens more in kids. But because of this, and because of the way the brain's developing, children will typically grow out of night terrors by adolescence. Thank goodness. But then there are those rare cases that do continue into preteen, teenage, and adult age. And usually, when this does happen, doctors are starting to relate it more to a trauma that occurred. If you experienced any intense trauma, it could trigger it. Or if you have another sleep disorder, some other issue with your sleep, this could just be a side effect of that. Or having very intense anxiety. Obviously, a lot of us have anxiety, but just some people handle it differently. So it can also be a result of very heavy stress, high anxiety, mm. um, feelings of you know terror and fear in your daily life. If you have a lot of phobias, it can trigger that as well in the brain. So I do appreciate that like adults who do have night terrors are being studied a little more. And it's like, okay, there's actually some causes for this. You're not just going to have one totally out of the blue. It could even be if you had them when you were little, if a certain memory triggers a night terror that you had when you were little, you may experience a night terror that night. If you like hit that specific trigger, you see that one certain thing that you recall from your dream. It could spur one on as an adult, but again, that's very rare. So Ugh, I just hate it all, but it can't happen. <laughs> when you guys talked about earlier, the you had mentioned something about like actually they found that people who suffered it, they like their muscles are almost a little bit because there's so much like contraction and release yeah. going on. And if I remember correctly, so I talk about this a lot on my show, but never on your show. But back in <laughs> back in my time, I had a little bit of a uh, drug problem. Uh, <laughs> I'm celebrating nine years clean in about two weeks. Hell in fact. Yeah. Oh, congrats. I uh, I used to get the worst like sleep paralysis during that era of my life, and I read somewhere that people who like have like drug and alcohol problems like they'll suffer actually a lot more from sleep paralysis and night terrors and things like that. And there is something to do with like there the restless leg syndrome and like the spasming and the way it triggers it sometimes for certain people, and it can be true for kids because like they haven't like developed like true muscles yet but like when you start to kind of there is like a little bit of like muscle degeneration that happens like if you're like a hardcore drug user or alcohol user um because like you're just like so inactive like the inertia and like you're just like kind of like literally withering your body away and so like your body like starts to like naturally like kind of create these like spasms and things like that on top of the fact that like you're probably dehydrated because you're not getting enough like water magnesium iron like all the stuff that like you're depleting yeah Yeah, really so they did like find like a correlation between people who have like issues with that sort of stuff actually like triggering like a high volume of night terrors and sleep paralysis and stuff like that i did see that that alcohol abuse and people who abuse um stimulants like medications that are stimulants like have a really high chance of getting sleep sleep terrors which if you were doing a lot of both and a lot of other things like I was doing back <laughs> circa 2009, uh, on top of that, like you're also like, in, cause like back then, oh my gosh, like I literally like had like kind of lost my mind for a second because of like the abuse I was doing myself. So then like you're seeing stuff and then like, mm. you, like in your waking life and that like transforms into your life. So like you would, I would literally see like demonic stuff and like have like these night terrors while dreaming. 
and stuff like that and it was so funny because like the second like i got clean sober like it all like went away like in like a snap and i was like oh okay so that was just me like <laughs> taking that terrible. was me destroying my mind and body <laughs> now i see but but the uh i always love to find like the spiritual and the scientific because like the spiritual aspect of it like the woo woo part of it is just like well not only was like i destroying like my physical self but destroying my soul so like it was making it that much easier for like demons to potentially get to me Mm -hmm. which like sounds a little fucked up it's like you know it's fun to think that way too no we just talked about that for me at least (laughs) i love that we just talked about that that on uh, last week's episode we did a listener ghost stories and and someone was talking about how they had a uh, stepfather who was pretty abusive like verbally and um and how he a lot of like negatively paranormal things would happen in their house and it all like slowed down to stopped when he eventually like when her mom left him and and he left Mm -hmm. and like i personally (laughs) don't believe in demons because i don't believe in god so you don't believe in god how can you believe in demons but i do believe in like low vibrational entities that Mm -hmm. maybe are kind of fucking jerks so that <laughs> some real some real, some real bullies out yeah. there the low vibrations real bullies <laughs> it's like the opposite of a, of the good vibrations <laughs> yeah, that beach boys say yeah, about oh no i went to marky mark so whoa yeah you went <laughs> good but so good, same though. idea where it's like oh if you're abusing drugs and alcohol you you open yourself up you are vibrating at a low frequency and you open yourself up mm-hmm. to other low vibrations and low exactly. frequencies yeah. but anyway yeah and again eric perfect segue with you bringing that up with the alcohol and drug abuse because i was going to go into my little listy list to cap off night terrors Ooh. and things that have been known listy to list. trigger night terrors um mostly in adults because in children there's only so children, much you can who do fucking knows yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they just start. These children out here drunk. We, I know what happens. Yeah, in I, just, <laughs> I know what happens in those diapers. <laughs> Freud says all you're thinking about is your butthole and your pee pee. So, <laughs> so we know what's we going know what's in. happening. It's a party. Some things that can trigger night terrors: um, sleep deprivation. Which Hello. Lord, I just everything on this list. I'm like, Ugh, this is going to be me soon. Sleep deprivation, a very bad fever, which I thought was yeah. interesting. If you're like hospitalized for a fever, that can, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Periods of emotional distress or great conflict. Again, if your body is just like not handling anxiety and stress well, it could go into it. Um, disruption of your sleep schedule. If you have like a very drastic change, if you you know are sleeping like 13 hours a night and you suddenly have to start working the night shift and sleep in the day, your body's going to be like, "Excuse me, what? Now there's going to be a demon in your room." So there you go. <laughs> the body requires so much before demons just immediately hit. Certain medications, typically stimulants, as we were just saying, alcohol use and abuse. It's similar to the fever, if you experience really intense migraines, and this these are migraines that like you're getting almost on the daily and right. you like you can't, can't eat, see. can't sleep. Yeah. Yeah, can't even see straight. Or a traumatic head injury. So just things to think about, remember, look out for. So stay healthy, folks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, look out for a bad drug addiction. You're gonna be you trapped in a prison of your own mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's like that'd be like so great. That's on one of those like pamphlets they give you. Like if you go to a meeting, it'd be like 
Well, you should avoid drugs if for no re- other reason the night terrors. Yeah. <laughs> just you'll the lose night your friends. Alone. You'll lose your Stop family. <laughs> you'll lose your job. You'll get trapped in a prison of your own mind night after night <laughs> as goblins Every chase you and get in your night. face. <laughs> but Lord, you'll have amazing but calf you'll muscles. Have really great calves. <laughs> and isn't that what isn't we all that really worth want. it? Well, I mean, we've run out of time and which is great because that just means we have to have Eric on again at the beginning of next season because I, the one thing yes. we didn't Woo. get to today is I did want to cover dream interpretations and we don't have time. I know I had but it all written out. <laughs> next time we will discuss Dream interpretations will discuss sort of like the big major themes. The one that I always get asked about is why do I dream about my teeth falling out? Well, you're worried about something, sweetie. Yeah. And it might not be your dental health. <laughs> Could be anything. <laughs> but <The way> you. <laughs> my you really are like trying out for like your local news. Like, I know. Every, so every single tonight. one of these like, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. It's not your dentist you should be watching out no. for. More to <laughs> Listen here, folks. <laughs> Um, more at 11 more at 11 oh. well that's all the time we have this week for keep it weird thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much eric for finally joining us it's about darn time uh, thank you so much for you guys i had an absolute blast i apologize for talking a lot i didn't even realize you that we almost hit that we're about to hit two hours the oh, perfect amount <laughs> you did no You're complaints amazing guest. zero complaints about this guest um, yeah. I had a blast. Yeah. Make sure you weirdos check out Goth Yearbook. If you haven't already, you can follow them on uh, Instagram at Goth Yearbook and you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, etc. We've been guests a few times. Our good friend and medium Amy yes. Goldenberg has been on a few times. She was just on on Sunday. Ooh, yes. We love and, her. Uh, we know y'all love hearing from her as well. Eric, do you have anything else you want to plug? You want to plug your radio show or anything? Yeah, Monday nights uh, I took a month off because October is like my busiest time of yeah. year at my day job Ooh. in construction. But uh, <laughs> I do uh, have a radio show that I also host every Monday, typically called Goth Yearbook Radio. I post about it on the Instagram. That's kind of the place where I'm the most active at Goth Yearbook. I forget what our Twitter handle is. So just don't even go there. <laughs> we uh, don't do ever get to where we are with but- ours. <laughs> We're like, I don't know what's don't going on Don't even have a TikTok there. yet. That might change. <laughs> uh, don't have a Discord. Don't have a Snapchat. No, but, you know, Instagram is where I've really carved out yeah. our life. We're so similar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we got some fun guests coming up in the next two months. In fact, we're going to start doing, like, a cooking series. We're going to try no to take a stab okay. at doing having on some chefs that have been on things like Top uh, Master Chef, sorry, Top Chef, whatever the, all those shows are called. I get them all mixed up, but <laughs> we have some cool people lined up. They're going to teach us like how to cook, and we're going to actually be filming like from kitchens and stuff like that. So it's going to be exciting. Oh my so god, cool. I am so excited. Me too. Yes, some goth recipes coming up your way. Goth recipes. If anyone needs them, I know you all do. Make sure that you're following us as well at Keep It Weird Cast across all social media platforms. Check out our Patreon and consider donating to help us produce our show and keep it going. Just visit www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to sign up. And you can also get yourself some merch. We have like a 10 different designs. You can put them on t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, sweaters, buttons, iPhone cases, all kinds of stuff. You just have to visit our Tee Public store. Just go to www.keepitweirdpodcast.com slash merch. Eric, what is our sign off this week? Oh, God, I didn't plan for this part. No, um, no one ever does. That's the best. Uh, <laughs> keep it weird. Keep it sleepy. Ooh. Don't 
be an asshole. Uh, meepy meepy. <laughs> well, that might be my favorite sign off. Well, that's we've it. Had this meepy year. meepy, folks. <laughs> meepy meepy, <laughs> and keep it weird. <laughs> Eric's like, hey, have you guys seen that dress that some people say is blue and other people Pink say is blue. It's white? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking laugh. Do you guys do you guys hear Laurel or Yanny? Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. I'm being roasted so for the for the weirdo nation at home. I'm being roasted right now. <laughs>